नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Today we are reading from Shrimad Bhagavatam Canto 1 Creation Chapter 6 Conversation between Narada and Vyasadeva Text 14 Omagyana timarandasya jana jana shalakaya chakshulanimitam jena tasmai shri guruve namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge I offer my respectful obeisances unto him When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripasandubhyavicha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Lord Nityananda Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Pandit Shri Vasthakur and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So as I said before we're reading from Shrimad Bhagavatam Canto 1 Creation Chapter 6 Conversation between Narada and Vyasadeva Text 14 Parishranta Tendriyatmaham Triparato Bhubek Parishranta, being tired, Indriya, bodily, Atma, mentally, Aham, I, Trit, Paratiha, being thirsty, Bubukshita, and hungry snatva taking a bath bitva and drinking water also rida in the lake nadia of a river upasprishtataha being in contact with gata got relief from shramaha tiredness translation and purport by his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami shila prabhupad Thus traveling I felt tired both bodily and mentally I was both thirsty and hungry so I took a bath in a river lake and also drank water by contacting water I got relief from my exhaustion purport a traveling mendicant can meet the needs of the body namely thirst and hunger by the gifts of nature without being a beggar at the doors of the householders The mendicant therefore does not go to the house of a householder to beg but to enlighten him spiritually. So, today we're continuing 
um, our the discussion on the conversation between Narada and Vyasadev after a brief hiatus. I'm actually very glad to be back giving class. I um, looked forward to it every week, and I'm glad that we are resuming it because um, I enjoy it. So today, um, we'll continue this discussion. So short recap um, of what's happened. So Vyasadev was writing... Um, all of the, the Vedas, and he felt something was missing, and he felt incomplete as a result of that. So his spiritual master, Narada Muni, um, comes and he tells him that you have to add Krishna to the um, text, the Vedas of which you're writing, because that's the main purpose of life, that is our goal of life, is to surrender to Krishna, and to realize that we are eternal servants of Krishna. So... After taking this instruction, Vyasadev then asks Narada Muni, well, tell me about yourself. He inquires about Narada Muni. And so Narada Muni is telling him about his life story, how he was um, raised by a maidservant, um, poor maidservant, and he was um, he had the benefit and honor of serving brahmanas, um, learned scholars, and so he was able to learn from them. And one day when his mom was out um, getting milk, she got bit by a snake and passed away. And so Narada Muni was left with nothing, and he um, left his village, and he started to travel. And here we are, he's talking about that he's traveling, he's hungry, he's tired. But yet he was able to find a river um, and take bath in it drink water, he was able to nourish himself that way. He didn't need to beg. That um, So that brings us to the topic for today, and, we'll, and today we're going to discuss the importance of depending on Krishna. So we can take example from Narada Muni that he, um, even on, in all his travels, he he didn't... Um, get anxious or worry about not um, being able to feed himself or provide for his bodily needs. He he found that everything was provided for, and Krishna does that for us. Krishna provides for everything that we need. In Bhagavad Gita 1857, Krishna says, In all activities, just depend upon me and work always under my protection. In such devotional service, be fully conscious of me. So here Krishna is promising that we have his protection if we just depend on him in all circumstances. So the best way to be able to depend on Krishna is to realize that um, he is in control of everything and we actually are not in control of anything. Well, very few things. And I'll go into that a little bit further down the line. But Krishna provides for everyone, right? um, In one of the purports, uh, Prabhupada mentions, I think quite frequently he says this, is that the rain falls everywhere. It doesn't discriminate between only falling on top of the bodies of water or only falling on top of the land. It falls everywhere, whether it's Land, sea, ocean, mountains, rain will fall everywhere um, without discrimination. 
So similarly, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 9.29, I envy no one, nor am I partial to anyone. I'm equal to all. So Krishna says he's equal to everyone. You know, just as the rain falls everywhere, Krishna is equal to everyone. He's available to everyone. He provides everyone with everything that they need. He goes on to say, But whoever renders service unto me in devotion is a friend, and I am also a friend to them. So Krishna is here saying is that when you um, render devotional service to me, you become my friend, and I'm also your friend. It's not that he's not our friend to begin with, whether or not we um, render devotional service to him. It's that when we realize that he's our friend and we become a friend to him, it um, pleases him so much more. When we realize that he's providing us with all of our needs, providing us with shelter, protecting us, he becomes so happy. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, last night, a big thunderstorm rolled in, and it was loud. Like, when the thunder um, hit, it, I mean, my house kind of shook. Like, the windows vibrated. So it was loud. It was very startling. And as everybody knows, I have a puppy and a cat, um, a kitty. And, you know, the cat, they both get very scared during thunderstorms. And, um, you know, when that happened, immediately the puppy jumps into my lap and she wants me to comfort her. And it's very heartwarming to me that, you know, she would turn to me to, you know, to protect her, to, for shelter, for her, to be, for me to be her safe place, that she feels safe sitting in my lap despite the storm that's going on. And from my perspective, I, I felt you know, honored, like, wow, she's relying on me. She's depending on me. And same with the cat. Usually sometimes the cat goes and hides under the bed. And he also wanted me to personally kind of comfort him a little bit last night. And so I, you know, I made sure to give him a nice little place to hide out and um, showed him some love. And he felt, you know, I can tell he felt a little bit more comfortable. He was still very scared. But still, it's, it warmed my heart, and I thought immediately, like, you know, is this how Krishna feels when we turn towards him, but so much more, because he can provide so much more than we can, and when we turn towards him, he gets so happy. Um, I was thinking just from this little example, I can see how much it can please Krishna for us to just surrender to him and say, okay, I'm under your protection, and then for us to feel safe you know, under his protection. It must really please him so much. So Krishna is our friend, and he has our backs in all situations. You know, he provides us everything that we need, whether or not we acknowledge it, whether or not we thank him for it, whether or not we um, give him credit that Krishna is providing us with, you know, plants for us to eat, very nice plants, fragrant flowers. We have nice weather. In some ways, you know, because of everything that Krishna provides, we have a nice home. We have so many things. And this is, um, he does this for everyone, right? And then when we recognize it, that's when we start to feel a, a lot more secure in our relationship with Krishna. And we, when we start to realize that all of 
everything that we have is because Krishna has provided it for us, then we can learn to depend on him more. And when we depend on him more, it increases our faith. And when we increase our faith, we depend on Krishna even more. And so it just really um, tightens our bond with Krishna when we depend on him. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 10.8, I am the source of all spiritual material worlds. Everything emanates from him, from me. Bhagavad Gita 10.39, he says, I am the generating seed of all existences. There is no being, moving or non-moving, that can exist without me. He's emphasizing here that he is the reason for everything. He's the, he's the cause of all causes. He's the supreme controller. He's the creator. He's the source of everything. And, you know, he has it set up that everything just happens automatically. He delegates different thing, different assignments to the demigods, to different beings. And when we turn to him, when we realize that, Krishna, you're the one providing us protection, please, you know, continue to do so. I thank you so much for it. Then he starts to take a personal interest in us. We may have, um, you know, when we think about friends, like Krishna's our true friend, when we think about our friendship, many times our friendship is based on selfish needs and desires, even if that is as simple as feeling loved and belonging and, and having someone to care for you that way. Krishna has no selfish desires as such. He does it because he provides it to everyone. And nightly, as I mentioned before, he does it even if we are not um, acknowledging his presence, his actions. He does it even when we think we're the doer, when we think we're the controller. Well, we know that not a blade of grass moves without Krishna's allowing it to do so. Nothing happens without Krishna's authority or okay. Sometimes it may seem like you know, um, Krishna's not paying any attention. In some ways, he, you know, he's letting things go um, naturally. You know, we are reaping um, the consequences of our actions. We have self, um, we have free will, and we can do, you know, with what we want, what we with it. But there are always consequences, and we're so restricted with what we can do, like. No matter how much I try, I won't be able to fly unless I get into an airplane. But with my own body, I can't fly. I can try. I can jump off a building, but then I'm just going to fall and probably come to my end. So um, I may have free will, and I might think certain things, but only um, certain things are possible. Now, if I really have a true desire to really fly, then maybe, you know, I would get a body of a bird. Bird is able to fly without any kind of mechanical assistance. So when we think that we're the controller, it can actually put us into so much anxiety because we want to control everything. And even if we don't think we're a controller, I've heard it said that if you worry a lot, if you're overly anxious, it actually is a symptom of um, wanting to be in control. It's a symptom of being a control freak. Because when you want things to go a certain way, you're always in anxiety about, oh my God, will this work out? What will happen here if it doesn't happen? You know, what will happen if I lose my job? 
what will happen if, you know, um, I don't know, I lose, I mean, I guess that's big fear everybody has right now is losing their jobs. Or what will happen if I get sick? Um, instead of just saying, you know, these things can happen, but Krishna will provide for me and take care of me in all situations, right? So in one sense, we're trying to control it. What if this happens and I'm going to, um, you know, worry about something that may or may not happen? But the other sense, the other side of it is, it may or may not happen, and whatever happens is Krishna's mercy, and I will um, behave accordingly. Um, in the purport of Chaitanya Charitha Murtha Madhya Lila, chapter 24, text 257, Prabhupada writes, The source of our income is not actually the source of our maintenance. Every living being, from the great Brahma down to an insignificant ant, is being maintained by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Supreme, the one Supreme Being, Krishna, maintains everyone. Our so-called source of income is our own choice only. That's very interesting. So, we have our source of income and we often think that because of our the money that we're making, we're able to maintain ourselves. And Prabhupada here says that this is our choice only because Krishna can maintain everyone. If I wish to be a hunter, it will appear that hunting is a source of my maintenance. If I become a brahmana and completely depend on Krishna, I do not conduct a business, but nonetheless, nonetheless my maintenance is supplied by Krishna. So we can work really hard and... Um, you know, earn money, but, and to have many possessions and have many good things, but unforeseen circumstances can take them away. Um, previously we discussed about, you know, things like tornadoes, fires, um, you know, natural disasters like that. Currently we've got a virus going on and we've been in lockdown. So a lot of people have lost their jobs or, or have had got cut in pay, and it can feel very um, stressful, and it can cause a lot of anxiety um, for everyone. Uh, and I think in this time that most people, nobody's really safe. Nobody's really been protected from the um, indirect and direct effects of the, the virus that's um, hit our country and hit the world. And... Uh, even so, this is the this is the time that we have to remain steadfast in depending on Krishna and to realize that no matter what, He's going to protect us. He always is going to protect us. Um, this past Saturday, the twenty fifth of April, marked the fourteenth anniversary of my uh, father's passing away from cancer, and. During that time when he was, you know, the last few years of his life, he, um, the cancer came, would come and go, kept recurring, and he went through several treatments, and, and he went through chemotherapy, and watching my dad go through chemotherapy was very difficult. It's a very um, grave situation. My father was in so much pain. Uh, he wasn't always in charge of his uh, bodily faculties. He wasn't in charge of, you know, he was in 
um, he was out of it a lot after he got his treatment until, you know, and then it took some time for him to recover. And by the time he recovered, it was right. He was t- ready for the next treatment. So it was very difficult to watch all of that. And, um, after he recovered, he, you know, he did well and then it came back and then, um, and it was the last time it came back that he actually passed away. And during that time, I felt very like, why is Krishna doing this? Why is this happening? And I almost, I felt very angry towards Krishna. And when I look back at that, right, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a very common, uh, feeling to feel anger when someone you love is suffering. But never during that time did I um, not acknowledge Krishna, right? Even being angry at him is a way of acknowledging him. It's not the best way to acknowledge him, but it was acknowledging him. And um, after my father passed away and his suffering, you know, in, the, in this body got better, I mean, it was gone, right? He was at peace. It was at that moment I... I was able to, you know, feel grateful towards Krishna again for taking such great care of my father and giving me all of the time that I had with him for, you know, my dad set the example of, for me, for spiritual life, but his mom set the example for him. And so, you know, I don't think that I would be a devotee if it wasn't for my father and the way he raised me. Um... And often I think about those, you know, especially around the time of his passing, I often think about those final days. And he really did teach me how a Vaishnav leaves his body. He always was chanting, um, even when he knew, you know, it was the end. Even when he didn't have the strength to speak, I could see, you know, he was he was chanting in his mind like his lips were slightly moving and he was chanting the mantra we had the mantra constantly playing around him and it, it pleased him so much to hear it so we can see that even in the midst of all of that suffering my dad was able to maintain his faith and devotion and love for krishna and it was a really strong example for me I've also heard that, you know, sometimes we can feel certain things and we can question and become anxious and ask, you know, why is this happening? We have to, like, when we start to really understand and have faith in Krishna and depend on Krishna, we realize that everything happens for a reason. But it's also important to realize that we may not always be privy to that reason. Krishna has his reasons. He has you know, if we look at um, what happens, he has reasons for doing what he's doing, but we don't always know what those reasons are. And it's okay. We have to be okay with not knowing what those reasons are. If we have full faith in Krishna that he's always taking care of us, sometimes he'll reveal those reasons and sometimes he won't. But if we just have full faith, then we don't become an anxiety. Um, it doesn't affect how we... Um, act. There's a story, I'm trying to remember it, um, where this, you know, devout uh, person wakes up and he, his alarm, he didn't hear it, so he wakes up late and he's, you know, 
um, he gets late getting to work and he, um, certain, you know, all these things happen all throughout the day. And at the end of the day, he's like, Oh God, why is this happening? Why did this happen? And God reveals to him, well, you know, I turned off your alarm because, uh, you know, if you'd left your house on time, you would have been hit by a car. And if, if you had gone to this place, you would have been hit by a bus. And he showed him all throughout the day of all the perils that he just was able to save him from, um, because of, you know, the slight, uh, things that he thought he perceived as going wrong. I'm telling the story really horribly because I can't remember all the details. But um, we can gather from that 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 can happen every day, any day. Oh, my God. There was an incident. I don't know if I've told, I've said this before. But I was, um, this was obviously before we were all locked down in our house. I was coming back from someplace, and I had exited Munger and... You know, if you're heading east on 30, you exit Munger, there's a light there, and I usually turn right at the light. So, you know, the, the light's red, and there's a couple of cars ahead of me, so I stop my, um, you know, I stop at the light like I'm supposed to. And I'm sitting there, and usually, sometimes when I'm at the light, it's a very bad habit. You know, I pull out my phone, and, you know, if I had a text message, I check it when I'm at the light. And at this moment, I decided I wasn't going to do that. So I just left it there. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear this, and I feel like my car is just, sh- like it's shaked, you know, it was shaking. And it was like this big whoosh, you know. And I look behind me, and there's this car that had was coming off the exit ramp so fast that it wasn't able to stop. And yet somehow... Um, it ended up up that little hill. If you exit, you know, there's like a little hill that goes back up to the highway. So the car like ended up back up that hill. And in that moment, I felt Nishingadev's, um protection. Like I felt that he had just come in and swooped that car to the side so that it wouldn't hit me. And at the speed that it would have hit me, I mean, who knows what would have happened, you know? And it, it was just, you know, it was just uh, an overwhelming feeling of, wow, who, like, Krishna just protected me. Narsingadev just protected me in this moment. And um, and that's how it is. You know, sometimes we know of things that happens, and sometimes we don't. And so we have to just remain in full faith that Krishna will always, um, protect us and look out for our best interests, even when it doesn't appear to be so. You know, um, my father passing away doesn't appear to be the best interest, right? Some people may argue, well, if Krishna really had your best interest, you know, he would have cured my dad of cancer and um, allowed him to live. But if that wasn't my dad's destiny and there's so much more for my dad to achieve or, you know, he could um, he's probably much happier back with Krishna right now. Um, and for us, we learn, you know, the, the pain of separation. We learn, um, again, just to further our dependence on him. In the purport of Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 18, Text 21, Prabhupada says, 
Lakshmi Dave advises all devotees who approach the Lord with material desires that according to her practical experience, the Lord is Kamadev, and there is no need to ask him for anything material. She says that everyone should simply serve the Lord without any motive. Since the Supreme Personality of Godhead is sitting in everyone's heart, he knows everyone's thoughts, and in due course of time he will fulfill all desires. Therefore, let us completely depend on the service of the Lord without bothering him with our material requests. It says here, Krishna is in our heart. He knows our material desires. And he will fulfill them. But there's a caveat, right? He's going to fulfill... Once we become a devotee and we say, Krishna, you know, I, I'm interested in learning more about you. I'm interested in surrendering to you. I'm um, interested in serving you. He uses those material desires that we have to deepen our relationship with him. And sometimes that doesn't look like a very good outcome from uh, a material perspective. And sometimes a very uh, the outcome that we want may not have the intended consequence, right? There's a saying that says, um, be careful for what you wish, you just might get it. And there's the story of um, the fable called The Monkey's Paw. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know this story, but in this story, a man gains a talisman that will grant him three wishes. But when he gains this talisman, the person that gives it to him warns him, please don't use this talisman. Throw it away, dispose of it, because when you wish for something, you'll get it, but it will have the most unintended consequences and you will um, not be happy. So he, you know, this man doesn't believe that this talisman will work. He doesn't believe it'll grant him anything. Um, And his wife talks him into making a wish. You know, he says, he actually says to his wife, I'm happy. I have everything I need. We have a nice home. You know, we have a nice son. He has a nice wife. So he was really happy. He felt like he didn't need anything. But I guess just to test out the talisman, he asked for a quantity of money, this is 200 pounds, which would allow him to pay off the remaining um, debt on the house, the remaining mortgage. So, you know, he makes the wish, um, and nothing happens, and they go on about their days, and they think, oh, you know, it was just, it wasn't really anything. Well, uh, one day his son um, is going to work. He works in some you know, factory machine, there was some uh, accident and his son lost his life and he uh, was killed. And even though the the company didn't take responsibility just to appease the family, they um, gave him a payout of 200 pounds. And the man realized that this was the unintended consequence. He got the 200 pounds, but he got it by, you know, the death of his son. It's like that. Even when we look at stories of um, genie, right, the Alibaba and the 40 Thieves or Aladdin, um, when he makes a wish, it has unintended consequences. And they, there's, um, amongst the supernatural, you know, uh, stories, it's said that genies are actually tricksters. And so when you make a wish, you have to be very careful in your wording because they will use exactly what you say and 
give you like the most negative consequence. Like for instance, if you wish for money, same thing could be from an insurance payout from the death or dismemberment, right? You might get a payout of a million dollars, but you might have lost your leg in order to get that payout. Um, or, you know, you have a win, you win a million dollars and then, you know, we find a lot of times when people win the lottery, um, friends come out of the woodwork asking for money, right? And so then either you give them money or you lose your friends. And so there's all these like, uh, repercussions for when you get like your wishes granted. So be careful for what you wish for. Um, Krishna will fulfill all of our desires, but the consequences may not be what we intend, but they will definitely bring us closer to Krishna. So does this mean that we just depend on Krishna and do nothing? We don't have to go to work. We don't have to earn any money. We don't have to, um, you know, do any services. Krishna will just take care of us. No. In Bhagavad Gita 238, Krishna says, fight for the sake of fighting without considering happiness or distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat. In 247, he says, you have a right to perform your prescribed duty, but you are not entitled to the fruits of action. Never consider yourself the cause of the results of your activities and never be attached to not doing your duty. And um, in 248, he goes on to say, perform your duty equipoised, abandoning denying all attachment to success or failure. So the um, idea is, here is that we act. We act according to our dharma, or if we cannot act according to our dharma, then we act in service to Krishna. So if we have to go to work because we have to provide for our families, well, Krishna has given us that ability to, to do so. So we're still depending on him. And we can still remember Krishna, you know, all throughout the day. We can constantly... Um, serve him by serving our, you know, whatever our job entails, by serving our family and providing for them, um, by, for, by serving yourself as a devotee for providing for yourself. So we always want to um, depend on Krishna, but we also want to do our duty, do our due diligence, right? Uh, we act and who knows what will happen, right? Krishna is the controller, but we have to do our duty. So <clears throat> previously I mentioned that we don't really control anything, but there are a few things that we control because we have free will. We can decide whether or not we want to acknowledge Krishna for everything that we've done. We can decide whether or not we're going to act according to our dharma. And, you know, as he says, fight for the sake of fighting, do our duty for the sake of doing our duty. Um, those are the choices we make. In a letter, Srila Prabhupada says, always depend on Krishna and everything will be all right. Fight and depend on the results on Krishna. He then relates his story of how much difficulties he had in, you know, propagating this movement of Krishna consciousness of um, ever since he left his house of, you know, trying to spread this message of love for Krishna and to help people understand what our eternal position is. 
But he persevered despite all the difficulty, despite it seeming like he wasn't making any headway. He didn't just give up. He um, continued. He said, no, this is what I, this is my duty. He didn't just, you know, retire in Vrindavan, which nobody would have faulted him. He was over 70, right? That's the age we retire and, you know, kind of focus on our spiritual life. But at this age, he decided, no, I have to fulfill my duty and I have to act. Now, whether or not a single person takes to Krishna consciousness, he realized was all up to Krishna. He just had to act. He had to be the conduit. And because he surrendered so completely to Krishna, Krishna provided so much for him. You know, when he first came to the U.S., we've seen many stories that, I mean, he wasn't living in the best conditions. He didn't have any money. He had his books and maybe a few dollars. Um, and yet, you know, we look at everything that he was able to accomplish, starting with so little, all because he just held faith, held strong that Krishna was um, going to take care of him and this is what he was supposed to do. This was his mission. And so we can learn from that example, um, do our duty, perform our responsibilities, and depend on Krishna for the results. And know that whatever results come is the best thing for us. You know, um, sometimes I'm... Uh, I'm a little, uh, I can get a little discouraged because I, I'm starting off this lifestyle medicine clinic and when I was starting to gain some momentum, the, you know, virus shut everything down. So it can be very discouraging. Um, and one of the other things that I like to do is do a lot of like public speaking engagements. And of course we're, you know, we're not allowed to have any gatherings right now, um, so that's been kind of put on hold. But even so, I can see in my personal life that even though that is something I really enjoy doing and I'm getting better at better at it, it isn't something that I've managed to um, do on a full-scale basis. So I've been doing these kind of talks and everything for about 10 years. And the other day I was looking at, there's a few other doctors that I know that just started doing talks like this a couple of years ago. And they're now like well known amongst, you know, the medical community that are um, looking at lifestyle as being a healthy way of living. They're well known across the nation to the point where they're invited to speak. And the other day I was thinking, man, why am I not getting that level of recognition? And, um, if I dig down deep, I can probably realize it's because it may increase my ego too much, right? Like I might get a big head about it and maybe lose that um, dependence on Krishna, thinking I'm the controller, thinking I'm the doer. So does that mean that I stop doing it? No, it means that I continue doing it and that whatever results happens, happens. And so it's a, it's a very difficult thing to come to, I guess, to realize that your own ego can be what's um, holding you back. But that's where it is, you know. That's um, where I'm at. So I'm I'm working on not getting such a big head about speaking and how well I do or how well I don't do, because all of it is really dependent on Krishna. Um, the ability, 
you know, the intelligent, he says, I'm the intelligence in the intelligent. Um, he's the ability in man, right? So all of these qualities that I think is me, it's actually from him. He's given me these abilities, these talents, these skills. And so to show my gratitude, I, I um, focus on trying to use it in his service. So in the purport of Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 12, Text 7, Prabhupada says, Victory is always with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As for subordinate living entities, they fight under, under the arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Victory or defeat is not actually theirs. It is an arrangement by the Lord through the agency of material nature. Pride in victory or moroseness in defeat is useless. One should fully depend on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is responsible for the victory and defeat of all living entities. And so when we become attached to these results, like wanting to have victory or feeling um, defeated, and, and when we are defeated, right, um, that can lead to anxiety or fear. We can worry. And worrying stems from that loss of control, as I mentioned earlier. Um, in the purport of Bhagavad Gita 6.32, Krish, uh, Prabhupada says, the cause of the distress of a living entity is forgetfulness of one's relationship with God. And the cause of happiness is knowing Krishna to be the supreme enjoyer of all the activities of the human being, the proprietor of all lands and planets, and the sincerest friend of all living entities. So this is what we want to focus on, is that when we are feeling anxiety, we're feeling distress, it's because we haven't um, turned to Krishna. We haven't completely surrendered to Krishna. And, of course, we're all on different paths of that surrender. So how much we're surrendered is how um, much we'll get shaken by different external events. So we're always focusing on improving this um, feeling of equanimity, right, being, um, having that equanimity despite whatever is going on. And we want to connect ourselves from, to Krishna to, to be able to feel more uh, calm and peaceful despite the situation, despite the distress we may be going, undergoing physically, mentally, um, you know, emotionally, financially, so the, one of the um, key things that we can focus on to help ourselves feel better, to decrease our anxiety and fear, is to focus on what we can control. So what can we control? Right? We can't control other people. We can't control the weather. Can't control um, you know, how this virus is going to act. But we can control how we react to it. We can control whether or not we chant our rounds. We can control whether or not we read the scriptures. We can control whether or not we find time to serve, whether or not we act according to our nature. We can control whether we decide to be kind and loving or act in fear and, you know, um, be rude and mean to people. 
So if we focus on these things, we can easily or more easily let go of what we can't control. And when we do that, when we focus on what we can control and we start to see positive effects in our lives from focusing on what we can control, it becomes very empowering. It becomes enlivening, right? I, I can't control this virus. I can't control other people. Um, you know, I can give advice. They may or may not take it. Um, but what I can control is how I react, how I present myself, how, you know, how loving I am. And it's not easy. It's, it's always a, um, a journey, right? We're all learning. We're all in this, uh, together. And, um, hopefully we're all on a path of, of progressing and improving ourselves. So how do we improve ourselves? It's, we depend on Krishna. And how do we depend on Krishna? Is we learn about how he is the controller. We learn that by reading. We learn that by associating with Krishna. And how do we associate with Krishna? We chant our japa, our mantra meditation. We chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, our prescribed number of times every single day with focus and attention, with the mood of crying out to Krishna as a helpless child. Krishna, I'm helpless without you. Please protect me. Please take me under your shelter. We chant in the mood of gratitude. Thank you for everything that you've given me. Thank you for the um, house that I have, that I'm able to stay in and be safe. Thank you for the devotees that are surrounding me, right? It's so nice to step outside of my porch, especially during this time when we're not allowed to, you know, gather in person, but to be able to just step outside my porch and see devotees on all sides of me, um, maybe stepping outside of their house and we get to wave to each other, maybe shout at each other across the street or from our porches. Um, <clears throat> to to express that gratitude to Krishna while I'm chanting, like, thank you for this. Thank you for the prashadam, right? Our sanctified food um, that we have access to, that we have fresh vegetables and fruits, and that we have so many things um, during this time, right? We still have internet and phone, and we can still contact each other and keep in touch with each other. To chant in the mood of love, right? Um, and we feel that love when we, you know, surrender to Krishna in that mood of helplessness, when we surrender to Krishna in, in gratitude. Then we'll feel that love. Like, um, it just overflows when we're chanting that we have so much love for Krishna. And when we feel that love, it comes out in every aspect of our lives that you know, even if somebody offends us intentionally or not intentionally, even if somebody doesn't listen to your my advice, if I'm in that position of feeling love, um, then none of that's going to matter and that love is going to emanate. And that's that's the goal. That's what I'm working on. You know, it's interesting as I was putting this, um, you know, researching and doing everything that I usually do for the talk, I realized that once again, these are things that I need to hear more than anything else, anyone else probably out there. Um, because 
I know that with all of this that we've been going through with the virus, with being locked in at home, um, there was a part of me that just felt like, you know, giving up a little, right? I wasn't pursuing the interests, the things that I wanted to do because I felt like, well, you know, just easier to Netflix and, you know, binge. Um, so I was feeling a little bit despondent like that last week and I got the message to, that we we're going to resume the, um, Bhagavatam class. And just by hearing that message, it was like, uh, something had switched inside of me and my whole like thought process and attitude and my, the way my days started to play out changed completely just from this small bit of information. And it, I felt like it was Krishna encouraging me that, look, you know, I know things aren't how you thought they were going to be, but still continue on your, on your journey, what you're doing in your service. Um, because, you know, he's still protecting me. And so I was putting this together. I was thinking, this is exactly what I need to hear. (laughs) So hopefully, um, it's something that resonates with you as well. And because there's no one here, there's not really anyone that can, um, ask questions, but I, uh, I pray that you were able to gain something from this class that I gave and I uh, look forward to our um, to further classes in the future. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Dharantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Jai.